0: Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to see you. And as we've said, we've uh, we've hit December. It's three weeks till Christmas. How many people have their Christmas tree up now? First of December is pretty common. Yep. How many people don't yet have their Christmas tree, but are planning to? How many people are just not going to put up a Christmas tree? Okay. <laughs> Quite a few. That's... Ah. Well, it's actually also... Just to, just to freak you out a little bit more, of course, it's only four weeks until a new calendar year as well, right? Like four weeks today, it's going to tick over to 2023. And I'm sure that for some, uh, you can't wait for 2022 to tick over to 2023. But for others, there'll be some concern or maybe even worry about next year. But as we've just been singing, Jesus is Lord over it all. Whatever's happened this year and whatever is going to happen next year... Jesus is still Lord, and that gives me great courage. I hope that does to you too. Last week, if you were here, you'll know that I introduced the idea of Advent, which is in the traditional church calendars, the, first, uh, the four Sundays that lead up to Christmas Day. And each Sunday in Advent has a different theme, and there is some variation on the themes, but commonly across the church history, they are hope, joy, love, and peace. And over the centuries, the church has used these themes and the season of Advent to help prepare our hearts and minds for Christmas, which I know we need to do these days, is you need to prepare yourself, but also to look back and to celebrate the birth of Jesus, as well as look forward to his return in the coming kingdom of God. But as, I sort of, as we know, based on the calendar, we don't have the four full Sundays of Advent available to us as a church, so we're going double speed in this place, and last week we did a couple, we did hope and joy, and this week we're doing the next two. And hope and joy last week if, if, the, the brief version is I talked about these ideas that are deeply connected to each other, because hope is the looking forward to future things, and joy comes when that hope is fulfilled. Proverbs 13:12 that says, "Hope deferred makes the heart sick." but a longing fulfilled as a tree of life. But beyond that, we talked about the fact that biblical hope is not just hoping for something, it's putting our hope in someone, that Jesus is the hope of the world, and only through him can we have a confident, joyful, and patient expectation that he will fulfill his promises and bring an eternal, unending joy and reconciliation and relationship with him. That was hope and joy, the first two themes of Advent. So this week we get to talk about the next two themes, love and peace. And when I realized that I was going to have to do love and peace in one week, I sort of thought, how does one even begin to bring a short message about the themes of love and peace in one topic? They're such big words, big ideas, aren't they? I mean, Hope and joy are big enough concepts to try and put together last week, but I went had a look, and between them, they are mentioned just over 400 times in the Bible. But love and peace are mentioned more than 900 times throughout Scripture. So how do we go about summing up these concepts in a few minutes that are so central to the entire Christian faith? And of course, they're not just central to the Christian faith, are they? Love and peace are two of the most significant pursuits of all humanity across all history. Just ask our musicians, you know. The Beatles will tell you that love is all you need. The Bee Gees want to know how deep is your love. (laughs) Whitney Houston wants you to know that she will always love you. Taylor Swift just wants to tell you uh, her love story, which hadly, hardly has a melody for even to sing. <laughs> Tina Turner isn't, watch, isn't sure what love's got to do with it. Care as long as you love of them. And the band Foreigner just want to know what love is in the first place. All right? Thank you. Thank you. I hadn't decided to sing any of those until that moment right then. I was just going to read it. Love is a big topic, right? And musicians may not sing about peace quite as much as they do about love, but that's okay because every beauty pageant contestant in history would tell you the thing that they desire most in life is world peace. (laughs) World peace. (laughs) Love and peace are very, very big concepts. But I'm going to try this morning to look at these words, and in particular, I'm going to try and look at how these words And these ideas are connected to each other, much like hope and joy, and how they are connected to Advent and to the Christmas story. The first thing to note is that both love and peace are actually characteristics of God. They are both a part of who He is. They are both part of His very nature. They're not just activities that He takes part in. You cannot separate love as a concept away from God. You cannot separate peace as an idea away from the very nature of who God is. They both come from him, they flow through him, and they are sustained by him. 1 John 4 verse 16 says, Very simply, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. God is love. As much as it is impossible to, to restrict and contain our understanding of God to just a few defining traits, if we could, love would be one of them. We cannot have an understanding of God without love, but we also cannot have an understanding of love without God. Every element of God's character is influenced by the fact that he is love. You think about it, when God creates, then he is creating in love. When God judges he's judging in and with love. When he rules and reigns, he rules and reigns in love. God is love. But we know too that another characteristic of God is peace. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 33 says, for God is not a God of disorder or chaos or mess, but of peace. And in Judges 6, we read a story about this man, Gideon, who meets an angel of the Lord. It says this, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Why was he so afraid? Because he thought that would bring certain death on him because he has seen the face of God. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is peace. To this day, it stands in opera of the Abizrites. Gideon has an encounter with God, and afterwards he builds an altar, and he calls it the Lord is peace, or Jehovah Shalom. The Old Testament uses a number of different titles to describe God. Elohim, God, El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord uh, that heals, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, and a whole number of others to reveal different parts of his character to his people. But one of his titles, one of the ways he reveals himself, is this one, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. God is love, God is peace. They are two characteristics by which we are able to know and identify God. But they're also connected because these two characteristics are also those who belong to God can be identified by them as well. John 13, verse 34 and 35 says, A new command I give you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And in Matthew chapter 5, again, Jesus speaking here says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So it is through our love for one another that we can be identified as disciples of Jesus. It is to be a defining trait, an ongoing characteristic of those who follow him that we would love one another. But Jesus also said that those who carry peace, those who bring that defining characteristic in their lives would also be identified as children of God. By showing love for one another and by being peacemakers, we can be identified as as children of God. They are his characteristics, but they also should be our characteristics, which all kind of makes sense, doesn't it? If God is by nature love, then those who are fully devoted followers of him should display characteristics of love. If God is by nature peace, then it follows logically, doesn't it, that those who love God and pursue him and spend time in his presence would be ones who also pursue peace and who bring peace to those around them. I think that anyone who's been a leader or a teacher or particularly a parent uh, or an employer or really in any position of influence over any group of people, no matter how big or small, we all know that oftentimes you can tell whether people are really following you by how much they demonstrate the same characteristics as you. Do they use the same language and vocabulary? Do they do things the same way? Are they passionate about the same things? You know, I've witnessed this in a lot of different areas, but none so obvious as a parent with my children. Over the years, you can see so many examples of when the kids have sounded like us, or looked like us, or behaved just like us, whether we've wanted them to or not. Because they don't just absorb the good characteristics, do they? they often, the things that irritate parents and leaders in general is, the, is when they witness other people or their kids demonstrating the exact same flaws or bad patterns of behavior that they struggle with in their own lives. Just the other day, I was saying to Joe how frustrating it was that one of our kids in particular just gets so easily distracted from the thing that they're supposed to be doing. And she very helpfully said, hello, do you not remember what you were like as a child? It's like, as a child, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't make it any less frustrating, does it, that they're, they're imitating and reflecting some of your own bad habits and patterns. But your kids do pick up on the good things too. You know, some of, for all three of them, some of their biggest passions are music, dancing, basketball, Star Wars, just talking with people is one of the things. I even remember a few years ago, Brian was only little, and she said, oh, can we go visit some people so we can swap stories? And she's about eight years old. It's like, that's normally reserved when you're 80, but that's good. They're passionate about God. They're passionate about the church. And I wonder where they got all those things from. The dancing was not from me, by the way. <laughs> Ethan actually got an award at his final assembly the other week because he was voted by his peers as being the most likely to become a pastor. No. And I think that was meant as a compliment from, from most of the kids, from most of the kids, probably not all of them, but most of them. So if God is love actually, no, I will throw this in in his yearbook, they' got to write down what are they most known for, and then what is their goal for the future. So Ethan's answers, which you can see in the school magazine, uh, what he's known for, turning everything into a sermon, is what he wrote about himself. And what his goal is for the future, being paid for turning everything into a sermon. (laughs) So (laughs) I thought that was quite clever. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. So if God is love and God is peace, then his followers should be able to be identified by those same character traits. That we would be ones who show love that we will be ones who bring peace. They're connected because they're both characteristics of God. They're connected because they're both characteristics of those who love God. But they're also connected because both love and peace are actually gifts from God. Just like joy, they are a gift of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Or when Jesus said this to his disciples in John 14, "'Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid.'" Or as Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church, 2 Thessalonians 3, "'Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace.'" At all times and in every way, the Lord be with all of you. See, peace is a gift from God. May the Lord of of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. And when we talk about peace, we're not just talking about a moment of quiet when the kids go to bed or a nice, calm feeling that you get simply by remembering your favorite things or something like that. See, this peace comes by trusting in God's word by spending time in his presence and as a gift from the Holy Spirit. And the beautiful thing is that the peace that God gives us is multi-layered. It has so much depth and richness to it. There are different ways that God brings us peace. The first thing that happens is that we get peace with God. This is through salvation. Colossians 1, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that is Jesus, and through him, Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. See, firstly, through the power of the cross and the gospel, God has removed the barriers that stop us from having relationship with him. Through what Jesus has done for us, we are reconciled to him and we have peace with God. Because of salvation, we're no longer cut off From the Father, our relationship is no longer broken. We are now at peace with God. The second thing we can receive, though, is the peace of God in our hearts. That's through transformation. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, when we submit to Jesus and we follow him, we are slowly but surely transformed into his likeness. And because of the Holy Spirit at work in us, we are able to have the peace of God in our hearts, even in the face of incredibly challenging situations. I've witnessed this so many times. It's happened in my life at different moments, and I've seen it outworked in others, where in spite of remarkably difficult and even tragic situations, people have a peace about them that defies all logic, but it demonstrates a trust in God. And the third peace that we can get from God is that we are able to live in peace with others. Eventually... (laughs) And that's through sanctification over time. Romans 12 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. I would say good luck with that these days. That is a tough verse to to live up to. But the next one's all right. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. That's still pretty tough, but it's a thing that we can aim for. And as we become more and more dependent on God, as we mature in our faith and we allow the character of Jesus Christ to become more and more prominent in our lives, as we become more sanctified and more like Him, we are able to outwork this gift of peace more and more in our relationships with others. I wish I could say that I was already there, but I'm not. I'm a work in progress, though. You can tell your neighbor, you're a work in progress. So peace is a gift from God, and it's a gift that gives us peace with God. It gives us peace, the peace of God in our hearts, and it also allows us to live in peace with other people. But love is also a gift from God. There's a passage I touched on very briefly earlier from 1 John chapter 4, and we're just going to dive into that f- uh, for a few minutes here, where it really brings these two words, ideas, gifts together, love and peace. So 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So the author John here is saying exactly what we've been talking about in regards to love. God is love. Love comes from God. Therefore, we should and we must love one another. If it is in God's nature, he's saying, then it should also be in our nature because we've been born of God and we know him. And the opposite is also true. If someone doesn't show love, then by John's logic here, they cannot know God because God is love. And if they knew God, then they would know love and therefore they would show love to others. And how was it that God showed love to us? by sending his one and only Son. See, this is what Advent is about, right? This is Christmas, that Jesus was sent into the world as a gift of God's love to be an atoning sacrifice for us. And then we carry on in this passage in 1 John 4. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I think he's trying to make a point here, do you? No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. God loves you, so you should love one another. If we love one another, then the world is able to see God at work in us. It is through our love for one another, our laying down of our lives for each other, us living in a way that puts the needs of others ahead of our own, that is a testimony to the work of the cross, complete in us. John is saying that people will be able to actually see the evidence of the love of God and therefore the evidence of God himself because God is love through how we love each other. That is our testimony. And then just a few verses later, we conclude this passage that John is writing about love. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love and we love because he first loved us. So it's these few verses that really sum it all up for me. These verses are the ones that bring together both of these ideas of love and peace. Because when we know and rely on the love of God, we have confidence, it says. When we trust in his love, there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love overcomes anxiety. Perfect love overcomes doubt. Perfect love overcomes insecurities. And when we trust in God's love, when we know and rely on and have confidence in Him, when we have no fear, when we have no anxiety, when we have no doubt, when we have no insecurities, you know what we do have in their place, right? We have peace. We actually have peace because of His love. We have peace with God. We have the peace of God in our hearts, and we can live at peace with one another, We also have love because of his love, this little passage says, because we love because he first loved us. We have peace because of his love, and we have love because of his love. God is love, God is peace, and because of Jesus, we can experience both of those things in our lives. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 11 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Team, why don't you come up and join me? That'd be great, Things. I see such a beautiful connection between these two words. It was because of God's love that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, who in Isaiah chapter 9, the prophet Isaiah calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. And it was through Jesus, the Prince of Peace, it was through his death on the cross that we can be reconciled and make peace with God. Again, it was the prophet Isaiah, I think it was chapter 54, who said that he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And because of that reconciliation with God, we are able to fully receive his love. And because he first loves us, we are able to love others and then live at peace with them. Much like hope and joy last week, love and peace are incredible gifts from God that are forever feeding into one another, strengthening each other, and always revealing God to us, God in us, and God through us to others. It was the love of God that caused him to send peace into the world, and it was Jesus making peace for us that allows us to receive his love, and because he loves us, we're able to love others, and we're able to live in peace with them. I think that's kind of cool. Hey, we're going to go back into a time of worship now, and i just love you to stand with us, but I'd like to pray as well, if I could. And I'd just like to take a moment of quiet, really, because uh, as much as Christmas and Advent is the season of hope, joy, love, and peace, I think that last one is more often than not the hardest to find in December. There's a lot of noise in December. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of stuff to do. But we're just going to take a moment now, just invite all of you to just close your eyes and just be in a place where you can ask the Holy Spirit to bring the gifts of love and peace into your life. Praise you. Thank you. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to move in us and amongst us right now, Lord. These incredible gifts of your love and of your peace, Lord, we just humbly ask that you would release those to us this morning. Reveal them again to us, that we have access to your love, we have access to your peace because of what Jesus has done for us. And Lord, in this season at this time where so much is going on, so much happens and so many great things of celebration, the the joy and the hope that we can express at this time, Lord, we ask that we would remember it is because of your love that you have brought peace into our hearts. Praise you, Lord. just want to take a moment, too, while every eye is closed and every head is bowed, is there anyone here today where actually you haven't met the Prince of Peace? You haven't experienced the love of the Father released in your life? You've never decided that you want to be a follower of Jesus? Is there anyone here this morning that would really love to know more about that or would like to have a conversation and say, yeah, I want to know more about this Prince of Peace, Jesus, and invite Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Is there anyone here that would like to raise their hand and just let me know? I'd love to catch up with you afterwards. Thank you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Lord, we give you glory and honor. We thank you for your presence in this place. We lift up our hearts in adoration and worship to you. Praise you, God.